Hi, my name is Kirk Hamilton, your host of the Staying Healthy Today Show. This is a show where we bring you key experts in the fields of nutrition, prevention, integrative, and lifestyle medicine. We review the medical literature and we review case studies. Today's show topic is, what is the real longevity diet of the Okinawan centenarians or elders? My guest today is Dr. Craig Wilcox. Uh, he's a PhD, a medical anthropologist, gerontologist, and he's co-authored along with his brother, Dr. Bradley Wilcox, who's an internist and gerontologist, and Dr. Makoto Suzuki, a cardiologist of the two books, The Okinawa Program in 2001 and The o Okinawa Diet Plan in 2004. He is also a co-investigator of the Okinawan Centenarian Study, but I believe was started in the mid-1970s by Dr. Suzuki, and then Dr. Wilcox and his brother joined as co-investigators in the early to mid-90s. The reason this is so important to me, the Okinawa Centenarians, is because I really feel my passion is to prevent reverse chronic diseases because they are what are bankrupting industrialized countries, including the United States, and they're 75% of our healthcare budget. So if we can find a society to study that has accomplished preventing, delaying these types of illnesses, the heart disease, the type 2 diabetes, the obesity, Alzheimer's, etc., uh, we will go a long way if we can incorporate those into industrialized countries of, I think, creating the ultimate health care reform. So it's with that kind of excitement for me that I've been trying to interview and chase down <laughs> Craig, Dr. Wilcox, for almost two years now, and I have him on the phone because... We're going to focus on the Okinawa diet today, though there's many aspects of their lifestyle that are important, because I, I've read both books, and I hear a lot of kind of misconceptions of what the Okinawa centenarian diet is, and I think it's based on you know what bias the person has, what they pick out of the diet. So with that said, we are going to go to the source, which is Craig Wilcox, and he at Dr. Craig Wilcox, and he is in Okinawa as we speak. I'm Pacific Coast time at 930 at night, and he is 2.30 in the afternoon. Is that correct on the next day? That is indeed correct, Kirk. Well, you sound great, so it sounds like you're next door. So I, let's, just, let's just jump right in. You know, what is your background, and how did you get into gerontology and your interest in aging, and then how did you end up in Okinawa, of all places? Well, um, it's an interesting story. I'll give you the abbreviated version. I, I have always been interested in, in, in health and well-being and played a lot of sports when I was a kid growing up in Canada, ice hockey in the winters, soccer in the summers when I... A little older, I, I started to get into um, the uh, body physique culture, bodybuilding, uh, lifting weights, nutrition, and that's where I started to really read the research literature and become interested. And, and later, when I went to university, I, I was interested in a similar issue to to what you were just talking about a few minutes ago, and that was how do they do it in, in different cultures and societies around the world? I mean. People obviously live longer in, in, in some places than others. There are so-called blue zones, and Okinawa being being one of them. And um, the, the, the more I, I got interested in the, the more I found that um, anthropology, particularly medical anthropology, would be a really good field to answer that question. So I went into that as a, as a research area, and I did a Ph.D. in that field. And... Later on, I, I did another graduate degree in, in public health and epidemiology, and my research area was was a focus on healthy aging. And uh, I did my doctoral dissertation research in Okinawa, and uh, that was in uh, well, in 1994. I first showed up in Okinawa, and uh, with with my 
my twin brother, the, the internist in tow, <laughs> and uh, we were both at the University of Toronto at the time and uh, had convinced a uh, prominent researcher in, in nutrition, uh, Dr. David Jenkins, who uh, was the uh, creator of the glycemic index, um, we had convinced him, he had a lot of research money, so he said, hey, Dr. J, we call him DJ, we have a great concept for a summer project in Okinawa, and um, this tied in with my, uh, my doctoral dissertation research, as well as my, my brother's interest in, interest in healthy aging, and he actually funded us to come to Okinawa for a few months in the summer of 1994. And that's when we first hooked up with uh, Dr. Makoto Suzuki, who was the founder of the Okinawa Centenarian Studies. So he kind of took us under his wing, and, and that was the first um, experience visiting centenarians and, and getting to know the, the, the research field. So that was kind of the, the start for me. I came back every year since then, uh, and I've been here um, since 1997. I'm actually a, a permanent resident of Japan now, so... Wow. You know, a small world. Um, Dr. Jenkins wrote the foreword to my book. I interviewed him on podcasts two or three times. And um, when I wanted to get somebody who was incredibly credible, <laughs> uh, and he so he wrote the foreword to my book. And, and one of the interesting things about his book was not only about chronic disease prevention and, you know, approaching it through maybe more plant-based nutrition and such, but he has a tremendous compassion uh, or passion for the environment and protecting the environment with a lifestyle. Um, and so anyway, I, one of my proudest moments actually was he wrote the foreword to my book. So we have a common connection. So let's just jump right in. So how do we know these, the Okinawans are known to be old and, and, and grow old healthfully. How do we know how old this group of people are compared to like, you know, the Hunzas in Pakistan or in the Caucasus, the Georgians or, you know, other parts of the world? What made the Okinawan elders special? Well, you know, you always hear stories about um, incredibly long-lived people in faraway places, you know, so-called Shangri-Las. Um, but the problem is very few of these places have uh, data to back up their stories. So invariably, nobody has a birth certificate, and, you know, they, they have the same name as an auntie that died 30 years before, and, you know, they... There's a lot of uh, misconceptions about um, aging around the world. So, so we, you know, I mean, we went about it in, in, in an evidence-based manner. At that time in the 1990s, it was all about evidence-based medicine. You know, it was a you know a new kind of word back then. It's now it's old hat. But so we were very interested in in evidence-based claims, and and Japan has some of the best. Uh, Record, record keeping in the world. The Japanese are very fastidious about that, and um, so there's a, a every city, town, and village has a family register system. It's called the Koseki. It's got reliable data on births, marriages, uh, death st statistics since uh, 1879. So um, we've got really reliable data here. Unfortunately, these stories um, they keep resurfacing, but um, uh, there's no, been no, nobody ever to live beyond the age of 120. Well, actually, 122. That was uh, Jean Camon to France, and she passed away in 1997. Nobody's break, broken that record since. So, yeah, 
we hear of people living that long, but they, invariably they never have the proper documentation. So at any one time to live, uh, the, the world's oldest person is no, long, no, no older than 114 or 115, so very few people get beyond that age. If you so, do get beyond the age of 110, in fact, you're not only called a centenarian, which is 100 or over, but you're called a super centenarian because there's just nobody alive around the world, maybe 80, 90, 100 people at any one time are age 110 and over. So, so one of the things that, ma that made the Okinawan special is that you had good registry to know when they were born and know how old they are, correct? That's the... Exactly. We, we could actually check their ages. <laughs> Before you ask somebody... You know, how did you live so long? First, you have to find out how old they really are. You know? <laughs> okay, so let me ask you about this, the, the centenarian study, because I got confused whether it's still going on or not. It started in the mid-1975-ish time? Is that... Yes. Preparation began in, in 75 as a... Uh, it was the first look at centenarians who were, were in the mid-1970s, a relatively new demographic group um, in Japan. Um, there were only a few hundred centenarians in the 1960s in the whole country. Now there's uh, 60,000. But um, in the 1970s, there were a few thousand uh, around Japan, and there was interest in, in the gerontological field in, in this new demographic group. And so there was a, uh, a nationwide survey carried out, and one of the places was Okinawa, and that was uh, by Dr. Suzuki. And... Um, most of the other areas did not continue, but Dr. Suzuki, after identifying all the centenarians in Okinawa in 1976, which there were only a couple dozen back then, um, now there's over a thousand, um, he carried on the study and, and, and had been doing the work ever since then. So, I mean, he's now in his 80s, so closing in on 100. But um, so the, the younger guys, such as myself and uh, and my brother and, and our other colleagues have taken over the study. So I'm actually the, the uh, co-principal investigator of the Okinawa Centenarian Study. Well, that's good. So now I've got an idea. So it's almost it's 40-plus years in. Yes, this... yes, and it's still ongoing. We're still uh, collecting data. We don't go out every year to collect data, but we have 40 years of collected data to, to analyze. And every um, two or three years we make another um, another. Uh, data collection run. We, we we visit the centenarians. So was the is, is Okinawa have a higher percentage? Is that what makes it so special versus other parts of Japan? Well, that's the key because Okinawa not only ha has the uh, for older people the uh, longest uh, life expectancy in Japan, but also the the highest uh, per capita number of uh, centenarians. Unfortunately. Um, the middle age, we can talk about this a little later, but the, the middle age generation um, are not doing quite as well as the older generation. So the average life expectancy in Okinawa is slowing in comparison to the other prefectures and the uh, national average. So still growing, but growing at a slower rate. Let's get into the what the Okinawans eat, because I got to tell you, in the United States, everybody, I know, I've heard everything from, 
well, they eat lots of pork every day to, um, you know, their tofu, I mean, their soy products are only fermented, that's all they eat, to whatever. So I want to get it from the kind of horse's mouth, so to speak, mm-hmm. just go through what their diet really is. And and I read your books, both of them, and, you know, I there's that one page I actually asked you that I could use in my book where it had the percentage breakdowns compared to the American diet, and that was probably, right. you know, 15 years ago. But, you know, there's a... 3% was meat, poultry, and eggs. Um, fish, omega-3 foods were 11%. Grains were 32%. Flavonoid-rich foods, which were you highlighted as possibly the soy foods, was 12%. Fruits were 6%. Vegetables, 34%. And calcium-rich foods were a small amount. Dairy, seaweed, 2%. So I'd like to go through each of those and, and just say, you know, because I've seen the pictures on the Internet, you know, of, of the diet plates and stuff and looks pretty plant-based with some a little bit of fish in there. So mm-hmm. how much of the diet is animal food, let's say? I mean, is there lots of pork and spam eaten <laughs> fish or what, what? what is it? Well, you know, you, you have to think about the diet in terms of the evolution that it's gone through in, in the post-war period. So the traditional diet is very different from what, what um, say, younger Okinawans are, are eating at the moment. So if we look at the traditional diet, um, you gave some uh, pretty good figures. Uh, If you're looking at uh, percentage of animal foods in the diet. Just a traditional, the traditional elders, you know, the the centenarians, what would they eat? In the old days, uh, animal food was just not available. So people were um, either vegetarian, I I call them semi-vegetarian, because uh, although they weren't strictly vegetarian, there was just so little animal products available that people did not drink milk. Um, they ate uh, some some fish, particularly those who were living in the coastal areas. Um, the traditional meat um, that you mentioned earlier, um, pork, uh, was consumed uh, on festive occasions, eggs once in a while, goats once in a while, Mostly on festive occasions, um, people said, "Hey, we get to eat meat." You know that they, they, you know, so it was a, it was a festive occasion, and that was when meat was mostly consumed. But um, if you look at, you see the average over over uh, you know over a few weeks or a month, um, you know, it's just it's almost a, a vegetarian diet, just well, a very low percentage, of, you know, three percent diet. If if I when you do your surveys and we walked into a couple of centenarians, you know, and you're and you're in their houses, are are they are they're not eating much meat every day? I mean, is that what you're no, talking? No, no, not very much. But e- even the um, older people, older people's diet, even though it's more traditional than than say middle aged or younger people, they still they consume very little meat or animal products, but it. Uh, more than than was consumed in the past, of course, and a lot of the food preparation is done by, say, their their um, uh, daughters or daughter-in-laws, or they are consuming more, even the centenarians. But that being said, it's still minimal compared to what we consume in the West. Right. So let's talk. Let's talk about the other controversial areas: tofu and soy products. So in the West, and even in a lot of natural medical circles, soy is a, a almost like an evil food. It's a, it's it's looked at as um, you know a food that's genetically modified. It's going to cause all kinds of problems. And then I look at you know your work, and I look at the plates that are on the videos and stuff, and I go, well, there's there's some tofu. And then I remember the one 
time that I'm watching a video of you cooking some Goya and some, um, I think it's Goya, and some, some tofu, and you said there's probably more tofu or soy products consumed here in Okinawa than anywhere in the world, and that might be a reason for less hormone-dependent cancers. And I don't know how old that video was, but so what, what, how does soy play a role in the diet, and what kind of soy foods do Okinawans eat if they eat them? Well, Okinawans eat a lot of soy, um, mainly in the form of tofu, so uh, legumes, uh, soybeans. So they consume fermented soy products, such as natto, which has a uh, substance in it that's actually been found recently to be protective against cognitive decline. So um, their consumption of flavonoids is, is, is really, really high. They have a, uh, perhaps one of the highest flavonoid loads in the world. What we mean by that is you know, flavonoids... Um, uh, mostly isoflavins, uh, saponins. They, they come from soy products, most of their, their flavonoids. And they may have, a, if you check the blood of, of Japanese, and particularly Okinawans, they may have a flavonoid load of up to 50 times that of Caucasians. And uh, and, that, and that's from soy food type consumption? Is that... Is that mostly um, soy foods are... are are the source of their flavonoids. So they, they eat tofu and then they eat, is it edamame? When you say soybean, we call it edamame. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I say it wrong, but how about, no, uh, correct. do they do much miso and tempeh? Yes, miso is, um, miso soup in particular, uh, miso-based dishes, vegetables with, with miso sauce, fish with miso sauce. Mm-hmm. So I consume I wouldn't say traditional Okinawan diet because I don't eat the sweet potato as my staple. I do eat a lot of them, but they're not my staple. I, I eat uh, whole grain rice, brown rice mixed with other grains as a staple. But um, that I consume fish with miso I, I, probably three times a week. I have some kind of, of a miso-based uh, dish. Um, that being said, most... Uh, we in our household have miso soup maybe four or five, six times a week. So miso is consumed in some form or another almost on a daily basis in, in, in Okinawa, either as a flavoring for dishes or as a soup. Daily I consume some kind of soy product. I, I, I have a soy latte every morning. So <laughs> so here's a, here's a question about soy then, I'm, and I'm hanging on this because I hear it every day. It's, it's amazing. But are the... There's a great concern about you know GMOs and and organic soy products. So, would you say that the tofu that the the native Okinawan elder eats is organic, or is I mean, where do they get it? Well, that's a that's a good question um, because um, very good question. Most of the soy products that that we consume in our household are are uh, non-GMO, most of the products that you see um, in the supermarket here, soy-based products, are labeled uh, non-GMO. So, but there, I'm, there are uh, soy, soy products coming into Japan. There are soybeans coming into Japan from America. So 
I, I'm sure that they're they're out there. I, I just I don't see them a whole lot in, in the supermarket. You know, where where I'm, you know, and I'm just I'm, I'm just shopping at your average supermarket. I'm not going to any um, you know, specially special specialty food stores or anything like that. So. And so, so would the would the other soy product be soy milk? When you said your soy latte. Yeah. Yeah, so me personally, I, I I consume a lot of soy milk. I I, I love the stuff. So I would you, um, would you consider that a processed soy product? Because that uh, was that around in the elders fifty sixty years ago, soy milk, or was oh, it yeah, just? Yeah. Oh, it, it has been. Oh, it has been. Yeah. They they um, but of course the 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 the, uh, the soy that they consumed. Um, they also have a dish called, uh, it's a soup, it's called yushi dofu, so it's a, it's a kind of a crumbled up, uh, not quite solid um, tofu that's made into a soup, so I just had that yesterday. So All right, so... With my wakame and... So, so let me ask you, so I, I, would, I can safely say, not put words in your mouth, you're not afraid of eating a whole soy food product. I'm not talking about isolated soy protein. I'm just talking about whole soy foods. You're not afraid to eat them, and that's part of the Okinawan diet, traditional diet. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I'm not afraid to eat them. I love them, and uh, people eat them here every day. All right. So let's so, move... some form or another. Let's move on to beverages. My question is, what do the elders drink? Is the green tea, black tea, water, any alcohol? What is, what is the, the elders' drinks? Well, the the, um, the most common drink for Okinawan elders is is a um, uh, jasmine tea. So they drink a lot of that. It's called sampin tea in the local vernacular. Uh, they also drink a lot of green tea. Younger people tend to cons. Well, no, no. I mean, it's a toss-up maybe in Okinawa between jasmine tea and green tea. Uh, black teas are consumed as well, but not anywhere near as much as green teas and, and uh, jasmine. I mean, it's all the same plant. It's just how it's uh, prepared and you know, it's different. Well, the sampin contains the leaves as well. So. so if I joined you on one of your excursions going out to the elders and the 100-year-olds every few years, they would have some green tea in the house and that would be their drink or would there be something It'd else? Be, uh, people drink it cold and warm. Uh, if we visit the elders, they'd be either drinking um, jasmine tea or green tea, guaranteed. Okay. How about uh, alcohol is consumed um, in moderation, so particularly um, Okinawan males, even the centenarians, like a, a little nightcap. Uh, if you look at overall alcohol consumption throughout their lifetimes, centenarians um, have not been heavy drinkers. They've, they've been moderate, light to moderate drinkers, um, which is healthy. Your risk for is that a drink a night, or is that a couple of drinks a week, or and what type of alcoholic beverage is the favorite? It's the, the favorite is a, a local drink called awamori, similar to sake, but um, not quite as strong. It's a little, it's a little smoother, and um, you know they call it a bon shaku, so no more than a couple a day, one one at night to put you to sleep, you know. <laughs> All right. Doesn't take much when you're 100. <laughs> so let's let's move on to another area in the United States where everybody's they're carb phobic. I mean, I, oh, I, I have patients walk in every single day, and 
and you know the first thing they say is I'm on a diet and I'm I'm got cut the carbs and I'm you know eating more meat. So tell me about the carbohydrates that they eat in Okinawa, the elders, and tell me what what they do. Well, this whole carb phobia is um, you know it's it's quite mysterious to me. Um, you know, it's one of those fads. I mean, we had a fat phobia before that. You know, fat was bad until we found out that, well, actually there are some essential fatty acids and some fat is not only essential, but it's some types of fat. You know, especially those omega-3 fatty acids that make up 20% of your brain are quite healthy. You know, but um, yes, it's higher in calories, so we have to be careful. But carbs, uh, carbs then became the bad guy, you know, after fats dropped out of the picture. And um, But everybody's missing the point. Everybody puts carbs in, in one category as carbs. But carbs can be divided into, say, two categories, to make it simple, good carbs and bad carbs, and, you know, everything in between. But... Good carbs are good, high-quality carbohydrates that don't knock your blood sugar all out of whack, you know, and we can measure the effect of carbs on your blood sugar levels and how fast they rise through a glycemic index, which is designed by our favorite guy, Dr. David Jenkins, back in the 1990s, and I remember when that came out. I mean, it came out when, I, when we first started to work on that in the 1990s, and I said to David Jenkins, we called him DJ, I said, DJ, this is going to go... Uh, big, really big one day. You should patent this. But he's the pure scientist, and he never did. And sure enough, you know, now it's even common vernacular. Everybody knows about the glycemic index. But that was something that came out of the David Jenkins lab in the early 1990s, and one of the first scientific publications came out on that. And uh, I was one of the guys who was having my finger pricked by a pin while being fed <laughs> carrots, you know. And, getting my blood sugar levels checked every few minutes. So. so what do the the centenarian carbohydrate intake like? What is it that they eat? That well, keep... the main carbohydrate um, for the centenarians in the old days was the sweet potato, and that was responsible for, say, um, over half of the daily caloric intake. And this, uh, the sweet potato is a, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting animal, but... <laughs> it's not an animal, is it? <laughs> but it's a it's an interesting uh, potato compared to say um, the Irish potato, what we what we call the uh, the white potato, the potato we consume in the in in the states, which has a um, glycemic index of about ninety. The sweet potato, despite the you know being a little sweeter, has a glycemic index of fifty five, which is uh, is which is a fifty five and under on the glycemic index is a low GI. Anything above 70 is a high GI. You get into 90s, you're really high. So, you know, white potatoes are very different from uh, from uh, sweet potatoes. The centenarians grew up consuming sweet potatoes. There was no rice around. There was no, uh, you know, and what was around was usually not polished. So, you know, it was in the form of a brown rice. Polished white rice was available, but only to people with money, which was ruled out about over 90% of the Okinawan population who were poor farmer and fisher folks. So they weren't eating uh, this high-quality carbohydrate, this sweet potato, because they thought, oh, one day the 
American Heart Association um, is going to recommend eating sweet potatoes, and, and um, the American Cancer Society is going to recommend eating sweet potatoes, and the Center for Science and the Public Interest in the U.S. is going to even label sweet potatoes as the healthiest of all vegetables. They weren't eating them because of that. They were eating them because they had to. It was a poor farmer's food. <laughs> right. But it had this, these health benefits. So. It's purple, right? One of them is purple. In fact, there's a whole, there's a, a lot of different um, different colors to the sweet potatoes. So, you know that it's antioxidant rich. It's low GI, the, the, and uh, the purple is called a benimo, and it, this is really high in antioxidants. The sweet potato itself is very high in in vitamin A, vitamin C, manganese, uh, B vitamins, particularly B6 magnesium, potassium, lots of fiber in those sweet potatoes. You'll never have problems with irregularity. <laughs> so let, let me ask you. They're low in calories. So. What, so what other, they have soybean, obviously, so that's a good carb. What other carbohydrates besides rice? Now, do most of the elders eat white rice now, or do they eat brown rice, or what do they eat? Well, it's a mix. Um, some of the, um, the elders will say, hey, I consume so much of that um, brown rice when I was younger that I don't want to see that again or the same about sweet potatoes but others have, have kind of stuck to their roots and so to speak <laughs> and um, they eat their sweet potatoes and they love them and they, they like their rice uh, more brown. A lot of um, rice will be mixed brown and, and, and white or will be mixed with other grains such as millet and uh, oats and uh, barley and there's these mixes it's you know, everything's convenient these days you can buy these 12 grain mixes and just throw it into the rice cooker along with your your brown rice and you know if you want to huh. thin it out a bit you throw in a bit of white rice how about how about other beans besides soybeans is there any other legumes eaten or uh, red beans uh, adzuki beans are commonly consumed uh, green beans how about bread bread type products well back in the old days the just wasn't available, but um, these days uh, people eat uh, bread, um, and uh, but not so much bread. Bread is not so commonly consumed here. It's more, um, if we're talking, uh, more, more no noodles. Noodles are, are, are a popular dish. Are they a wheat noodle or an egg noodle, or what are they? Yeah, they're a wheat noodle. Okay. How about, let's go to one other controversial area, and that's oil. So... Uh, you talked about fatty acids, and we've all heard about omega-3s, but I'm very curious. Uh, I've spent some time with Dr. Caldwell Esselton, who's you know done a few studies on reversing heart disease, and he doesn't add any oil to his diet. He feels it in infects endothelial function, etc. But obviously the centenarians, I'm very curious what oils they use and how they use them. Do they stir-fry with them? Do they? How do they use oil, and, and, and what kind of oil do they use? Well, oil has always been, been a... You know, a part of the traditional Okinawan diet. It's part of a stir-frying type dish. They call it champuru, which means um, basically a, a mixed plate. So they'll throw in some some uh, some tofu. Um, if you look at the, the, the traditional cooking style, you would say simmer something with a kind of a hint of oil and throw in some bonito dashi broth for flavor and small, small, maybe a small amount of fish or boiled pork and if you have it. <laughs> and the, the 
but the cooking style usually centered around vegetables and tofu with smaller servings of fish noodles, lean meats, herbs, spices, and a little cooking oil. What kind of oil was it? Or is it? Yeah, the, well, in the old days, interestingly, um, their cooking oils were not widely available. Everything was made in the household, so people would uh, take the fat of the pig so mm -hmm. um, uh, to use as a, as a cooking oil. But if you think about it, everything, oh, my God, you know, pork fat, lard. <laughs> but pigs were very different animals back then, you know. So even the, if you look at the, the fat that you take from a pig, you think, oh, it's all saturated fat. It's not. It's a mixture of, uh, you know, monopolyunsaturated fats. And, and back then, free-range animals, um, they had higher percentage of monounsaturated fats. So that, that the... the, the Pig fat back then was different. Animals were different. Free-range animals are different from animals that are fed um, to make them fat and they don't move around. And so the type of animals that are consumed these days are even different. So, yeah, and the there was a minimal amount. So, and I wouldn't recommend say, hey, everybody should go eat you know, pork fat. And that's not what they eat now. But back in the old days, that was the, the most commonly available. Um, type of uh, so what oil would they stir fry with now now it's uh, they call it salada you <laughs> <laughs> salada you know salad and you means oil so salad oil and if you look at what is salad oil it's it's a lot of it is canola oil so it's a it's a you know it's rapeseed oil um, with soy mixed in so it's a mixture of different oils uh, uh, soy based um, or, or rapeseed, or or other types of vegetable oils. Yeah, but again, I mean, people of are 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 consumers here as well, and they they're influenced by what's out there in the media, so they they're aware that that of of healthy oils, for example, like olive oil, you know, is, is touted as this very healthy oil, you know, part of the Mediterranean diet. But um, so people are. Con are using more olive oil in their cooking. So is it mostly in, is it mostly in stir fries or is it in salad dressings? But or where? It's yeah, mostly in stir fries, but uh, some salad dressings people do use uh, salad dressing. Okay. Here. How about let's let's move on to the 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 other sacred cow, no pun intended, um, <laughs> and that's dairy foods. You know, in the United States, it's uh, it's always protein, more calcium, blah blah blah. So the Okinawans, and again, we're staying with the elders, did they consume much dairy food? No, I mean, it just wasn't available in the pre-war period after the war. Um, really, it wasn't until the 1950s that dairy products were even introduced into the Okinawan diet. In fact, there's a lot of kind of a little bit of a uproar about it at the time. You know, this, what is this food? You know, <laughs> You know, a lot of people were not used to eating dairy foods and they had intestinal bloating and you know there's a lot of Asians in particular who are lactose intolerant um, so if you do consume more you, you, you the body tends to adapt but even now there are, are a fair number of, of, of people in Japan not only Okinawa who can't consume dairy products so dairy products is are a recent addition uh, to the diet. Of course, if they're fermented, that makes it 
easier to digest. And so um, if you go to the local supermarket here, you'll find milk and, and uh, yogurt and um, cheese. So people nowadays uh, tend to eat, certainly uh, the elders, um, they, they, they still have a little bit of an aversion to dairy products. Okay. I call them my wife's uh, Okinawan and, and uh, her, her father says, that says, Ushi Kusai. Smells like a cow. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Makes sense. Right. It comes from a cow. So, I mean, unless it came from a goat, you know. <laughs> but well, there are different types of milk. All right. But um, that, all they, right. they're very averse to most of the older people are not that. Uh, they don't consume a lot of dairy products. They don't right. like. I got the picture. Um, we are we are talking to Dr. Craig Wilcox, gerontologist. Uh, co-investigator of the Okinawan Centenarian Study, which has been going on for 40 years, and co-author of a, a couple of books, the, the Okinawa Program and the Okinawa Diet Plan. So we got a couple more questions, and then we'll let you let you go for the day. But I was looking, so I just want to go down a few other food groups. Fruit. There's not much fruit it looked like eaten in the uh, Okinawan diet, the traditional one. Is that correct? That is correct, Kirk. Fruit simply was not available in a large quantity. People would say there's a, uh, there's a local fruit in Okinawa called the shikwasa. It's, um, in English, you call it a shirami lemon. It's a small type of, uh, it's kind of like a cross between a lemon and an orange. When it gets really ripe, it turns, the peel turns orange and it gets a little sweeter. But, but um, fruits, watermelon, pineapple are, are, are growing here more. But again, those have been, more recent, recent. Uh, additions. So apples, some type of apples. Um, just a whole, not a whole lot of fruit uh, was consumed here. Mostly as a dessert. So there was very little sugar intake in the um, in the uh, traditional Okinawan diet. So it's quite okay. uh, low in glycemic load. Right. So they're not, they're not having blueberries every day. The elders. No, no, they're not. <laughs> okay. they're, even now, um, they, you know, fruit is thought of as kind of like a, a sna- say, as a sweet snack in between meals or as a dessert type of food. So the protective compounds, then, you've talked about flavonoids from soy. So how about the vegetable family? Is that where we get some, uh, yeah, I know Goya, I've seen you cook that. Um, but what are the <laughs> the vegetable load in the Okinawa and the elders diet? Is that a big part of it? or? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the, the base of the diet. Is uh, vegetables. If, if you include, I mean, the sweet potatoes, uh, vegetable, but it's also can be classified as a carbohydrate. But um, it's all vegetables. The, the, the uh, Okinawan diet. If you make a pyramid of it, the base of the pyramid would be vegetables. So lots of lots of uh, vegetables in Okinawa. Uh, the main vegetables. Um, are orange yellow root vegetables, such as the sweet potatoes that we talked about, and they can be yellowish orange and purple, and and then green leafy vegetables. There's more kinds of green leafy vegetables here than that, that I've ever seen anywhere. So they're, they're, they're um, that's what makes up the, the bulk of the diet. There are other vegetables like the prototypical bitter melon, the goya. Mm-hmm. That's a very popular vegetable quite a unique looking gourd it's like kind of shaped like a cucumber but it has this rough pockmarked skin so it's it's um, some people eat it raw it's quite bitter i can't take it 
Are, mo- are, are most of them raw cooked, or are they stir-fried or steamed, or how do they cook their vegetables? Most of them stir-fried or steamed. So um, not a lot, whole lot of raw vegetables are consumed here. So uh-huh. okay. Stir-fried or steamed. But, but Goya is very low in caloric density. It's high in fiber, vitamin C. Um, there's a cognac. Um, this is a uh, traditional it's made from a yam-like tuber. It's made into a jelly. It kind of absorbs the flavors of other uh, ingredients in, in, in these dishes. They're simmered, and um, they, the, the, in Japan, they, they use it uh, to make cognac jelly, and so it's like gelatinous cake, and or or, or or noodles. So it's very, very, very high in the fiber. Okinawans say that hey, that cognac cleans your stomach. You, know? <laughs> you can think about the fiber content. Let's let's. Uh, there's a, another the shiitake mushrooms. A lot of mushrooms. Mushrooms, lots of mushrooms are consumed, particularly uh, the shiitake, um, which is um, very high in in vitamin D, and um, there's actually um, fiber, antioxidants, niacin, B12. So it's uh, this is, a, of course, a nutrient often lacking in the diets of older Americans, vitamin D, very important for healthy aging. And then other root vegetables, such as a burdock, so it's a slender root vegetable with a kind of a rusty brown skin, quite high in, in, in iron. Hechima, it, it's, a, it's a loofah. In the mainland of Japan, they wash with it, but in Okinawa, they, they eat it. <laughs> in English, you can call it dishcloth gourd. <laughs> <laughs> Names are funny. How yeah. about and then? Sorry, Kirk. One ahead. more. Seaweeds are are real. All right, right. Good. Tell me about seaweeds. I'm coming to that, but I beat you to it. <laughs> every day would they have? Would you have? Seaweed? Oh yes, every day. It's a dietary staple. So it's um, you know, they've got red, brown, green. You know, their seaweeds. Uh, you know, it's a kind of this loose colloquial term. You know, it's they're macroscopic or multicellular marine algae. So. Got red, brown, green algae. There's a dozen varieties here, like kombu or or lava or mozuku or, or wakame or nori. You know, all kinds of different kinds. They're really an ind- ind- indispensable part of the Okinawan uh, diet. They're very low in caloric density. They're very nutrient dense. Lots of protein, iodine, folate. Are they concerned magnesium. about? Are they concerned about pollution and the, the seaweed at all? Um. You know, not so much. I mean, the seas around Okinawa are are, um, are quite clean. So there's a lot of it grown um, around the island and uh, harvested and or just picked wild off the beach. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the seaweeds uh, have a lot of potential for therapeutic interventions. So they really, if you look at what's out there in terms of nutraceuticals, um, uh, Fucoxanthin, you know, it's a seaweed carotenoid. It's shown to have these multiple beneficial effects on metabolism, reduces your blood glucose and plasma insulin levels. And so it's a potential dietary intervention for metabolic syndrome. Astaxanthin is a big one now. Xanthophil carotenoid, it's a really powerful, broad-ranging antioxidant um, from microalgae. It's, um, it's uh, what turns... Um, you know, it's in fungi, complex plants, crustaceans. It's what turns these 
these uh, uh, crabs and, and uh, shrimp and their shells red and salmon red. So it's got these antioxidant, anti-inflammatory properties. So it's actually being, uh, being um, developed for as a therapeutic intervention for cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular oxidative stress and inflammation. So Let's, uh, lots of stuff. Seaweed's a very exciting field these days. Let me, I got two other um, groups that I want to get a touch base with, and that's nuts and seeds. You know, the Mediterranean diet, talk about nuts, and uh, do, is there any nuts and seeds eaten on the island, um, by the elders? Mm-hmm. But nothing you've ever heard of over there. <laughs> what, like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> well, you know, um, I don't even know what they're called, but they're, 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 that if, if we look at nuts and seeds, you know, this, well, ones we are familiar with are sesame. So sesame is a popular one here. So that's consumed. Is that just sprink, with, sprinkled on foods? Is that, or? Yeah, or it's part of, um, part of a, a rice dish or, or, or paste. Mm-hmm. They, they like to make it into a, a paste. Um, but, you know, nuts, um, not a not a whole lot here they're, they're, they they do eat um, but this is a more recent addition to the you know cashew nuts are are popular almonds are popular you see them and you know and and they have these um, peanuts as well peanuts and more kind of like as a snack food not really as a part of a dish peanuts um, uh, have been a part of the traditional Okinawan cuisine for for for, uh, for you know hundreds of years. Um, they have a they call it actually tofu. They call it peanut tofu, and it's um, it's quite an interesting. It, it has the consistency of tofu, um, but it's it's made from peanuts. So it's you know people say, oh, this is tofu, and I said, no, no, that's peanuts. <laughs> So if you have a peanut allergy, don't eat that. <laughs> so how? Um, so not a whole lot of nuts and seeds, except for sesame and, and peanuts. Yeah, yeah, um, not so much compared to say maybe we might consume in, in North America. Okay. How about um, the favorite herbs and spices to kind of wrap this up? What are? Oh the... yeah. Okay. Now we're now we're uh, getting to the uh, the heart of the. Uh, question here um yeah you know if we think about what the you know usd usda recommends you know in terms of cutting fat salt and sugar from your diet for health reasons and how difficult this is um you know they all provide flavor and texture to a meal well what can we do we can one thing we can do is add herbs and spices so and that's what uh they do in Okinawa. There's a lot of traditional herbs here and spices, um, and they're quite healthy. There's lots of phytochemicals such as antioxidants, phenolic acids um, in these herbs and spices, and there's a lot of health claims from them as well because they, in Okinawa, we, they like to say uh, food is medicine, and a lot of, there's a lot of crossover between the traditional foods, including the herbs and spices that are consumed, as well as what's used in the traditional uh, uh, medicine for, for actual uh, interventions. For example, um, we call it ukon here, and that's uh, basically it's turmeric. 
Right. And this is an herb that every Okinawan is very intimately familiar with. They know it. Lots of lots of Okinawans drink it as a tea. Others take it in a tablet form to strengthen the liver, they say, or especially when drinking alcohol for hangover prevention. So it's it's a real powerful antioxidant. Is it the same? Um, is it the same orange color that makes yeah, everything makes orange everything color. orange? There's one that's more, a little more purple. That they call it. there's a spring ukon and a fall ukon, depending on when it's available um, in the growing season. And likely these, you know, think about turmeric. You know, it's from the ginger family. It probably was brought to Okinawa um, when Okinawa just over 100 years ago. Okinawa was known as the Ryukyu Kingdom, and it was part of the spice trade for hundreds of years. So, likely Ayurvedic medicine from India. You know, a lot of things came such as turmeric spicing as a spice for the food, but so it, it's got a lot of uh, potential health properties, and it's, it's, it, um, it's even sold in, in supplement form. And, uh, yeah, it's popular here, too. I mean, it's... Uh, yes, I, I, I have to admit, I do take it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you a couple more questions, and then we'll tie this up. How about, do, do most of the elders have their own gardens, or do they go to a, a regular old supermarket, or do they do at the central market? How do they shop for their food? Well, if you look at the elders, um, yes, most of them do have their own gardens. So in lots of these herbs, um, you'll find in the gardens, um, you can see that, for example, the fuchiba, which is, uh, we call it mugwort. Are you familiar with mugwort? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yes, it's a medicine for upset stomachs, um, it's used as herbal therapy for strengthening the liver. It's actually um, also been, you know, it's from the Artemisia family, so it's, it, it's this class of, of plants is, is, has actually been looked at in terms of treatment for infectious disease such as malaria, so it's an interesting herb, and uh, this grows everywhere, I mean, grows wild, people grow in their gardens. I can walk out from my house here in Okinawa and uh, less than three feet I'll find mugwort. So. And it's it's got very high levels of carotene, uh, uh, carotene um, upwards of 9,000 uh, UGs per 100 grams. So uh, it's, it's, it's quite a strong um, antioxidant. So And then peppers, people grow, like to grow the peppers in their garden. Some people say and they think, oh, well, how is Okinawa cuisine different from, from uh, Japanese cuisine? And if you look at the traditional diet, of course, the staple was different, you know, sweet potato in, in Okinawa, which, and everybody grows in their gardens or versus rice, you know. But um, also people say, well, the Okinawa diet is, is Japanese cuisine with salsa. <laughs> <laughs> they say that because there's a lot more herbs and spices used in the Okinawan diet. And that's one of the reasons why it's, it's quite low in sodium. And that's one of the keys why uh, cerebrovascular disease and stroke rates are so low here compared, compared to the mainland average, which is a lot higher in sodium. So you go and you go to a Japanese restaurant, you get inundated with sodium. You know, uh, but you go to an Okinawan restaurant and you'll be inundated with herbs and spices. So. How about... How about there's a concept. So we got, we've done pretty well over the content of the diet, I think. Unless I've left something out, you feel like we've given a pretty good representation? I, 
I, um, I think so. Um, some of the health properties, perhaps. I mean, it's it's highly anti-inflammatory the diet. So if you're talking about about healthy aging, of course, you know you want to reduce inflammation. Um, um, chronic diseases of aging um, all have a, almost all have an inflammatory component. You know, particularly coronary heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, as well as the aging process itself. So you want to maximize your chances for healthy aging, one thing you can do is you can reduce inflammation. You know, inflammation causes damage to DNA, protein, cells, tissues. So cutting back on calories is one way to well, do this. And, let's and, talk uh, about that. Let's, I was going to just, yep. that's one of my last questions. So Hadahachibu, sure. Hadahachibu, there you go. Eat till you're eight parts full. Would you say, you know, I mean, it looks like a nutrient-dense diet full of antioxidants, etc., but being able to push yourself away from the table when you're eight parts full. Um, tell me what you think about that as a health, uh, one of their biggest health benefits of the diet or lifestyle. Well, we think it's really important. Um, if you look at, uh, well, Hadahachibu, in fact, um, you didn't have to work at that in the old days. You do now <laughs> because food is so much uh High caloric density food is so much more widely available. But in the old days, when there was nothing but low caloric density food, you know, which was high in nutrient density, um, it was easy to to achieve because you you could not consume enough vegetables, which is the basis of the diet, to to get yourself full. And if you even if you did, you were hungry a little, you know, a few hours later. So this is this is. <laughs> In fact, if you if you look at the traditional diet, say compare it to the traditional uh, Japanese diet, the Okinawans ate more food, but it was such it was food that was so low in caloric density that uh, they consumed less calories. So they were constantly in this um, uh, state of uh, of uh, caloric restriction. So we call it restriction without the restriction. So they weren't restricted in how much food they were eating, but they were restricted in how much calories they could get from that food. So it had this very, very uh, uh, side benefit um, that we find um, um, in studies of animals that are caloric restricted. They live longer. So if we look at uh, key interventions for extending um, health span and lifespan, Caloric restriction is the most studied uh, intervention that we have you know, to extend health span and lifespan. And so you put mice on a, you know, and you just put them on the exact same diet and just restrict their calories by 30%. The calorie restricted group will live longer. So, it's not, so this has been shown throughout many, many animal models. So even rhesus monkeys. Um, we're, we're seeing color-restricted monkeys with half the cancer and half the cardiovascular disease than compared to the control monkeys. So if I if I went into an elder's house during a survey, um, they wouldn't be overeating, generally speaking? Or would no, they? they? They they wouldn't have... Um, they wouldn't have the opportunity. First of all, sweets are not big in, in, in the traditional diet, and um, even um, even in 
the, the Japanese diet or the, the traditional Okinawan diet, sweets are consumed between meals. I mean, we, we think about, say, dessert in, in North America as something that's, that's, you know, part of the meal. I remember growing up and saying, you know, my mom used to say to me, you can't have dessert until you finish your dinner, you know, eat your peas and carrots, you know. So I would force down these terrible-tasting frozen peas and carrots, you know, that were cooked up. Um, so I could have my dessert. And what do you get from dessert? Another three or four hundred calories, you know. So it's, it's uh, dessert is not a, a concept. It's not part of a tr of a meal usually in Japan. It's something consumed with maybe coffee or tea as a snack, in between meals, and, and in much smaller portions. Again, that's another secret here: is portion size is so much smaller. So this has a, you know, of course, the benefit of reducing your total caloric intake for a day and not consuming um, these calories that are in excess of what you really need. So. Let, me, let me ask the, the last question I have and then we'll wrap it up and that is if the elders, if, if, the, if the children and grandchildren aren't eating the same traditional diet as the elders, and I've seen, you know, there's another YouTube video where, you know, there's the highest concentration, at least it says, of uh, fast food restaurants in all of Japan is in Okinawa. So if the if the younger generation or the children of these elders start eating this other diet, will not the elders eventually die out? I mean, there won't be centenarians? Just well, that's the, uh, <clears throat> the you know, the, the, the dark side of this whole um, happy story <laughs> about these very healthy and long-living elders is the the middle-aged and the younger people are, are at higher risk of uh, of, uh, of uh, age-associated disease, particularly cardiovascular diseases, than compared to the Japan average. So uh, you've got a very healthy, long-living, older population, but the, the the lower you go down the 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 age scale and the worse it gets. So anybody under 60 is really at higher risk for cardiovascular disease. Um, Okinawans have gone from the leanest of the Japanese to the heaviest in just over a generation. You see uh, fast food restaurants all over the place here. So um, You know, you don't see older people in those restaurants. What you see is young people, uh, lots of high school kids studying for exams. You know, you know I don't want to say that <laughs> the names of the fast food restaurants, but they're chains that that are popular mm -hmm. in in the states, and um, so yeah, it's it's uh, the the diet here, the traditional diet has been, I call it Americanized or Westernized and Japanized. So it's been Japanized in the sense that the traditional dietary staple, the sweet potato, has been replaced by white rice. And it's been uh, westernized in the sense that people are eating uh, much poorer quality carbohydrates than they consumed in the past. They're eating less vegetables. They're eating uh, more um, uh, meat products um, and uh, more sugars in the diet. So it's taken a, a turn for you know for the worse in terms of the health effects and. You're seeing the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the bad health effects already appearing in, in, in middle-aged people. So, 
and younger people. So it's it's tough, you know. People are not active either. Well, I think I think I got. Well, I, selfishly, I got what I wanted was to clarify some few things and and to really, I just want to paint a picture of of an honest picture of what the the elders died is was like and maybe some of what their trends are now and and mm-hmm. put that into context because you're the expert and because you, you're there and um, so I want to thank you very much for coming on the show today. Uh, I someday I'm going to make it over there because I'm going to come surprise you and because uh, it's always <laughs> been a, a dream of mine to to study. And the reason is because I think these populations, especially the Okinawan one, the, the Okinawan one is special because because of the sad part about the children and the grandchildren, they're, they're eating a different diet. You can't say it's genetics because they're in the same right. location in the same area. So you're looked in the face of lifestyle. And until people see that, that that's the real issue, you know, they make all kinds of excuses. And that's why Okinawa is so perfect. It's that, you know, you have the elders living one way and then the the other people getting our diseases at a worse rate. So yeah. uh, we will talk again soon sometime. I hope you'll do another show and we'll focus on maybe another aspect of the elders, their physicality or their psycho-spiritual stress reduction, their social structures. I'd love to do that. So any last parting That's words good. you'd like to say? Well, I'd just like to to thank you very much, Kirk, for this uh, opportunity to, to talk about our, our work in, in Okinawa. It's been a something I've been very much engaged in and, and uh, living <laughs> for the past uh, 20 years. So I'm, I'm uh, very happy to, to be able to, to uh, get this out there to a, to a wider audience. And I'd be very happy to, to, to revisit this and, and, and or, or new issues to do with the, uh, um, the Okinawan healthy aging phenomenon and how it, it may be taking a, a turn for the worse and how, how much this has to do with lifestyle. So, yes. Well, I'll, I'll be back. Thank you very much for having me. Don't worry. I'll be, I'll be back. I got all kinds of questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we'd love to have you over here, too. Well, so I, I will. Maybe the next one we can do from Okinawa. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, is, this sounds good. So, all right. Well, I want to thank you, the audience, for listening to this edition of uh, staying, the Staying Healthy Today show. And remember... Uh, Below the podcast, I'll have links to the books that I talked about and some of uh, Dr. Wilcox's work. Uh, You can sign up for my podcast at stayinghealthytoday.com, and these are going to go up and upload to iTunes. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, and you have a fabulous day.